Amen. Amen and amen. Wow. We've come to worship the risen Savior, have we not? Yes, yes we have. Uh, Clayton, open us in prayer, would you, buddy? Thank you. Yeah, we do. Thank you, Clax. Appreciate that, buddy. Uh, we'll be in Second Peter if you want to turn there. Uh, it's obviously it's right past First Peter. You get to Revelation, you've gone too far. If you get to First John, you've gone too far. But you got to go past Genesis to get there. Yeah. The title of the message is Jesus, the Great Transformer. And we'll be looking at uh, verses 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 1 of 2 Peter. <clears throat> Back in the day when, when, my, when the boys were growing up, and they still got them out today, I think, and maybe even some of you kind of have used these in the past, and maybe you still do. I don't know. I don't know. But there were these little toys, and these little toys, you could start taking them apart. And as you took them apart, they went from something, we'll say a car, and you could take them apart and make something different out of them, like a spaceman or a superhero or something. And, and they were called transformers. I mean, you can transform these things from one thing to another. I thought that's, that was pretty cool. I, Drew still does that, of course. We, that's one of his Christmas presents that he gets is, is we get him one of these transformers. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> yeah, we got to put it back, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, going to be a cold lunch, I can tell. <laughs> I also read about a guy whose life was transformed. And his name was Joe Barrow. And Joe Barrow was an uh, 18-year-old guy. Uh, the kids at school called him a sissy. Said he, he was taking violin lessons, learn how to play the violin. And he'd carry his violin around with him. And, and I mean, you just know people. And he was kind of skinny and he was kind of scrawny and, and just uh, kids picked on him. I mean, we just, they just picked on him. And one day, one of his friends came up to him and said, hey, uh, hey, Joe, come on. I want you to come to the gym with me. His name was Thurston McKinney. He said, I want you to come to the gym with me. We, we got to put some meat on them bones so you can at least protect yourself, this scrawny kid. And he did. And, and it just so happened that, that uh, this Thurston guy was the Detroit area Golden Gloves boxing champion. And Thurston said, I, I think I can help you, Joe, at least teach you how to protect yourself. So they worked out a little bit, and then they got inside the ring, and they were kind of just, you know, kind of fake punching there a little bit, trying to help him and show him some moves and stuff. And, and Joe went back and popped him one. And Thurston hit the mat. 
And he said, boy, you're putting that violin up. I'm going to teach you how to be a boxer. And over the course of the next five years, he, he taught him how to box, this, this scrawny kid. And, and, and he changed his name because he didn't want his mama to know what he was doing. And, and over the course of a five years, he went from a scrawny, violin-playing kind of a kid who everybody picked on to the world's heavyweight boxing champion of the world. His nickname was the Brown Bomber. His name was Joe Lewis. And Joe Lewis was transformed from this skinny little kid until somebody that nobody could beat him around the world. I would say that was a transformation, wouldn't you? Yeah, from going from there to the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. When I was 12, I was at uh, a church in Northwest, uh, Northwest Baptist Church. And at the age of 12, I received a great transformation too. I was sitting in the, in the back back there like a good Baptist kid. And the pastor had brought all the, the school kids into a service. And, and he, was, he was talking to us. And, and I, to this day, I don't remember what he said. But all I know was when he got done, I had this conviction in my heart. I had something going on. And I go, boy, this is... This is and I remember him making a statement. He said, he said, all you have to do is take one step out of the pew and come on down this aisle and accept Christ as your Savior. I remember sitting there, standing there, matter of fact, and holding on to that pew as my knuckles got white, trying to decide if I'm going to take that step out of the pew or not. And I did. Greatest day in the history of my life. Because you see, at that point in my life, I became transformed. I was a 12-year-old kid, not a bad kid at all. But I had reached the age of accountability, and, and I knew what wrong was. Nobody had to teach me. And I knew what sin was. Nobody had to teach me. It just came natural. And I knew at that time, before I stepped out in that aisle, that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And when I took that step out of the pew and down the aisle and accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, He changed everything about me. He changed everything. He changed my, my plan. He changed my purpose. He changed my priority. And He changed my passion. And that was, I'm not going to tell you how many years ago. See, I was transformed. Jesus is a great transformer, isn't He? That's what He does to people. He takes them as an unbelieving sinner and transforms them into a saint who is headed for heaven. And Jesus is the only one that can do that. Jesus is the great transformer. I thought about a guy in the Bible, and it's Peter. Obviously, Peter, we're going to be here. We're in Peter, so that's who we're talking about. Peter, <laughs> brash, arrogant. Foul-mouthed fisherman who knew it all. And when he came face to face with Jesus, and Jesus said, Come, you'll no longer be fishing for the tunas of the world. Come, I'll make you fishers of men. And when Peter came face to face with Jesus, Jesus did the same thing to Peter that he did to me. He gave Peter a new plan for life a new priority in life, a new passion for life, and a new purpose for life. 
And here we find, as we begin reading the second letter of Peter, here we find him moving from a, a fisherman to a person who has now become humble, a now who becomes submissive to the Lord, a man who's now become obedient to the Lord. And the only way that could ever happen in the life of Peter was because of what Jesus did in his life. Jesus transformed him from a sinner into a savior. Peter had some rough edges, I know, don't you? I mean, he had some rough edges. I mean, when he's, when he's first in the ministry with Jesus there, and, and Jesus said, I, I got to go to Jerusalem because they're going to kill me. Peter goes, no, you're not. I ain't letting that happen, buddy. No, not going to happen. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus told him. Jesus, I will stand with you no matter what. Me and you got this. We good. And yet we find when Jesus takes him into the inner parts of Gethsemane and Jesus goes off to pray before his crucifixion, we find Peter asleep. Peter, wake up, bud. Temptation is coming. Peter, I thought you said you would do whatever you needed to do. Peter, yeah, yeah, I know, God. They took, took Jesus off. Peter follows. You know, in the, you know, in the courtyard of Caiaphas, what happens? Aren't you with him? Nah. Aren't you with him? No, I said. Aren't you with him? No. Blah, 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 blah. And he denied him, even knowing the guy. You see, Peter had some rough edges. But as the longer Peter walked with the Lord, the longer he spent time with the Lord, the more time he spent in prayer in the Lord. Yeah, Peter got transformed when he met Jesus. But Jesus was transforming him all through his life. Jesus was making him a little sweeter, not a little meaner. Jesus was making him a little more loving and a, and a lot less hateful. Jesus was, was teaching him how to be forgiving. Jesus was giving him joy and replacing, replacing that bitterness and that anger and whatever he had in his life. And he was making him more joyful all because he was allowing Jesus to transform his life over the course of time and I'm here today to urge you that is how you and I should be as Christians yeah when we got saved we got all that good stuff didn't we we got all that good stuff we got that promise of home in heaven we got a new problem we got a new plan we got new everything but is that it? No, that's not it. You see, as Christians, we've got to allow him to transform us, to change us over the course of time. That's what happened to Peter. He got changed over the course of time, and now he's humble, and he's submissive, and he's obedient. The longer you and I walk with the Lord, the sweeter we are supposed to come. Did you know that? The longer we walk with the Lord, the more joy we should have the more love that we should have for other people, the more forgiving we should be with the Lord. As we allow the Lord to knock off those rough edges of our lives and we allow him to change us from the inside out and to transform us into somebody that really shines for the Lord. If you've been a, a Christian for 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 years, 
you need to be a lot sweeter. Not that you aren't. But the longer you're hooked up with the Lord <laughs> and allow Him to transform you, that's what He wants to do to you. He did it to me. He did it to Peter. And I know for many of you, He's doing it for you. And the only way that that transformation can ever happen in a person's life is to let Jesus do it. You can't do it on your own. Well, I'm going to be different today. Well, today you might be, but tomorrow you won't be. Jesus is the answer for all of that. And I say all that to just get into the message. <laughs> Let's go to verse 1 of Second uh, Peter. Simon Peter, of course, that's who's writing it. He says, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. A bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ as he's writing this, this greetings. Paul, that brash, arrogant guy, now calls himself a bondservant of Jesus. A slave to the Lord. Yeah, he's been transformed. He has been changed. You see, now Peter knows what it means to be truly born again. Peter's goal in life was to serve the Lord. Peter's goal in life was to live a life that was worthy of the calling. Peter's life was a life that says, I submit my life and the way I live my life to the Lord. Peter would say, I'm willing to take up my cross and follow him. Because you see, Peter knew something. He believed that being a bondservant of the Lord was the highest title a person could ever receive here on this earth. Bondservant of Jesus. You see, Peter knew all the great men in history were bondservants of the Lord. He looked at Moses and he, and he looked at Joshua back in that Old Testament. He saw, he saw himself, he saw James and John and Jude and Paul, and he saw all the prophets, and they were all called bondservants of the Lord. What a great title. And matter of fact, even, even today as Jim was teaching in Sunday school class, I was paying great attention, but I read in Revelation 7, 3, where it says we all as Christians are called bondservants of the Lord. Because all the great people are called that. You see, when somebody called him that or he thought about that, he, 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 didn't, he didn't cringe at that. He wasn't ashamed to be called the bondservant of the Lord. He didn't uh, uh, get depressed because somebody called him a, a Christian and a, and a slave for Christ. No, he didn't get that. He, he knew. He knew something. He knew, he knew what a great privilege it was. He knew what an awesome privilege it was to be called a bondservant of Christ. No greater title. To be able to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To be able to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To be able to submit your life to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The same God who created all of that universe that you saw last week. I'm a bondservant of that guy. Wow. I'm, I, I'm a servant of the one who spun the planets that go around the sun. 
That's who I serve. I, I'm the bondservant of the one. And when you take a microscope and you see under the microscope the smallest molecule, cellular molecule out there. And you look at this, the molecule that holds us all together, holds this body together. And you look at it in the microscope and it is in the form of a cross. Unbelievable. And then you take a telescope, the biggest telescope we got, the, the Hubble telescope, and you look way out there. And you look and you go millions of light years away out there. And you, and you see this black hole out there. But in this black hole, there's a symbol there that looks like not, oh, it just looks just like a what? A cross. The tiniest microscope the Hubble telescope, and everywhere you look, what? It's a cross of Christ. King David said, I can't go anywhere in this old world unless God is there. Can't go anywhere, Psalms 139. Everywhere I go, he's there. Jesus is the great transformer. That's, that's the God. That's the Christ that we serve, that we get to serve. And you want to know why I, I started the, the day off by saying, praise the Lord? That's a pretty good start right there because of who he is. And Paul said, I'm a bond servant. I've been changed from a foul-mouthed fisherman to somebody who loves my Lord and my Savior. That's transformation. I hope you have received that kind the transformation. Other part there, he says, I'm a bondservant, yes, and I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am an apostle. An apostle is someone who proclaims. An apostle could be called an ambassador. Do you know what an ambassador is? Ambassador is, is from one country, and he lives in another country, and he represents the country that he is Born in, you might say. And Paul says, I'm that guy. I am that apostle. I am that ambassador. Because you see, I now am from the kingdom of God. And I'm going to a lost and a dying world to tell them the good news of Jesus. And Peter was not, a, not, a, not ashamed of that at all. I wear that title gladly. A proclaimer of the gospel. And if you read your, your Bible enough, it will tell you, you and I are proclaimers of the gospel. That's just not my job. It's all of our job. We, we are to be ambassadors for Christ. We are to tell others about Christ. We have to love Jesus enough to tell others about him. The apostle Peter did that. The apostle Peter, when he looked at his life, and he saw where, where Jesus had taken him from, from there to where he was now, a humble bondservant of the Lord. All he could do was praise him. You see, he understood that Jesus deserved everything, every praise that we can give him. He deserved that much. I hope you've been transformed like that. I hope you've had a day where, where you came face to face with, with the living Savior. 
and he transformed you. He took you out of a life of sin and selfishness. And he, and he took that hardened heart that you might have had. And the Bible says he just makes it really soft. Gives you a soft heart for him. Give you a passion for the things of God. Give you a desire to be able to, to want to worship him and to praise him. I hope you've reached your point in your life where, yeah, he has transformed you from a sinner to a saint. Thank you, Jesus, for that amazing, amazing privilege it is to be a part of your kingdom. The second part of verse 1, it says this, uh, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as yours by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. You have received a faith of the same kind as yours. Our faith in Jesus, did you know this, makes us acceptable to God. Our faith in Jesus allows us to have a relationship with God. And without Jesus, without faith in Jesus, you can never be acceptable to God. God loves you, sure, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done. But because you and I are imperfect people, and God is perfect people, if you would, He cannot accept us because of our sin. But when Jesus died on the cross, He took my sin, He took your sin, and He said, let me take that from you, Don, and I'm going to take that from you, I'm going to give you my righteousness. What a great, and all because of faith in Jesus Christ. One of the beautiful things about having faith in Jesus is that it is the same, it is equal to everybody. He does not discriminate. He does not have favorites. He values us just as much. You and I get this. He values us. He loves us just as much as he loved Peter and Paul and James and John. He loves us just as much and values us, our soul, just as much as Charles Spurgeon, that great preacher. Billy Graham, no favorites. Adrian Rogers, great preachers of the gospel. And you know what? He loves you and me and values you and me just the same as those great preachers of the faith. Those great apostles of the faith. Stephen gave his life. Didn't, he didn't love Stephen anymore than you. I'm here to tell you that is saving faith. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What a great privilege it is because of our faith in Jesus. A great privilege. To be able to live forever in eternity with holy God. And the one who died on the cross for our sins. We have that great title of bondservant. We have the great privilege of living with him forever and ever. 
in a place called heaven, in a place of perfection, where the Bible says there'll be no more death, no more sin, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Whew. That's enough to praise him too, did you know that? If you come think about that, 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 that might be a praise there too. The faith that saved you and I was the same faith that saved Peter, saved Paul. No difference. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Verse 2. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Jesus is the Messiah of grace and peace. Grace is that undeserved favor of God. Grace, undeserved favor of God. You can't be good enough to receive the grace of God. You can't give enough money to the church. I better not say that. But you can't get, it, you can't get grace by giving to the church. Helping little ladies across the street. Can't do it. Grace is undeserved merit. We don't deserve God's grace, his mercy, his kindness, or his goodness. As a human being, a sinful human being, we deserve judgment, condemnation, and punishment. But God, <laughs> I love that phrase, but God loved it so much, didn't he? He loves us so much. He didn't want us to be separated with him for eternity. But God loves us so much, he sent his son to die on the cross. Ephesians 1, 7 says it this way. In him we have redemption through his blood. Redemption says Jesus paid the price for our sins. He took your sin and my sin upon himself. And then it says the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. The forgiveness. He paid the price for our sins. And then he willingly forgave us of those sins when we accept him as Lord and Savior. I don't know about you, but man, I, don't you just want to say thank you, Father? Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Thank you for your redemption of, of, of paying a price for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for amazing grace. Amazing grace. I don't know how you can think about grace and not put amazing with it. Because it is so undeserving. And Peter says, I want you as Christian, as believers, as my people, my followers of Christ. I want that kind of grace, that unmerited favor to be multiplied to you. And that's, you want somebody speaking something nice about you, that, that'll do it right there. And then he says, I want peace multiplied to you. Peace. You want the peace with God? You want the peace of God? You can have that kind of peace only through faith in Jesus Christ. You can never have peace with God or the peace of God without Jesus being in the middle of that. You see, peace is knowing that God loves us and wants to take care of us. Peace is, is, is knowing that he wants to protect us, to sustain us, to deliver us. Peace is knowing that he is our refuge in times of storm. Peace is is knowing that when we pass from this earth into an eternity, that as Christians we're going to go be with him. That's peace. That's peace. 
Oh, death, where is I sting? It's not there anymore just because you've got faith in Jesus. We can have peace knowing that last breath here, first breath there. Bingo, bango. It don't get no better than that. John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Jesus said, I'm going to give you peace that surpasses all understanding. Christian, you can have that peace. Because that's promised to you in his word. And he can't break his promise. You see, when your world starts to collapse personally, you can have peace. When the world around us starts to collapse, you can have peace. Because peace does not end, does not come in the situations of this world. Peace comes from the knowledge and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 6 says it this way. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be be made known to God. And here's the great part. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding is available to us because we've been transformed through Jesus. Peace that makes no sense during, during cancer treatments, loss of a loved one, financial collapse. Christian friends, we have that at our fingertips if we want to just accept it. And peace is knowing that Romans 8.28 says, we know this, what? God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Now, if you just think about that, that should bring every one of us peace, don't you think? That no matter what happens in our life, God knows it. It's not a surprise. It's not an oops on God's side. And he says, I will take that, I promise you. And I will take it and I'll mold it and I'll do something with it. And then something good is going to come out from it. Well, God, I don't like what just happened. I, God says, yeah, I know you don't. But I'm going to make something good that comes out of it. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, gents and Gentiles, that's peace. When you know God is in control of everything. And he's going to take it and make something beautiful out of it either for you or for him and most of the time it's for both i don't know about you but that my friend is peace real quickly i gotta move on uh verse three real quick seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness his divine power that he's giving to us when we were transformed by Jesus said, I'm going to give you everything you need for life. Not a life that is under condemnation, not a life that is under judgment. He's going to give us an abundant life. The Bible promises that. He said, I want to give you a life that is so filled with joy and love and peace 
and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. He said, I want those things, those things should be flowing out from us. That's life. We can have that life. And then he says, I'm going to give you everything you need for eternal life. And he's already done that, hadn't he? That was Jesus. <laughs> That's all we need for eternal life. It's Jesus. Everything we need, he's given to us to live life today and live life for eternity. And then he says, I've given you everything you need to live a godly life. A life of obedience, a life of reverence, a life of, oh man. He's given that to us, hasn't he? Through his divine power. He says, you know, I've given you everything you need for life. I've even given you everything to live a godly life. To live a godly life. And what does a godly life look like? It's a life lived that looks like Jesus. A Christ-like life. I've given you everything you need, boys and girls, he says, so that you will act, you can act just like Jesus. You can react just like Jesus. You can love just like Jesus. You can forgive just like Jesus. Well, I can't do that. I can't forgive. Yeah, you can. Because he says, I've given you the divine power, Christian, because I've transformed you by Jesus to be able to do that. Live life now like you're supposed to and live a godly life, a life that looks like Christ. Yeah, it can be done. Because of his divine power, it says, that he's given to us. To be transformed, you must know him personally. And when you know him personally, you need to tap into what he's got for you. Because he wants to give all of this to you. He wants us to live a life that's worthy of the calling, the Bible says. Jesus is the great transformer. Has he changed your life? From a sinner to a saint? Has he made you a fisher of tunas and not a fisher of men? Are you a bondservant of the Lord? I hope so. Are you an apostle of the Lord? Proclaimer of the word? Yeah, I hope so. You know, he's, he, he can give you that power to do that. He can give you that power to, to have grace and peace multiplied to you all the time he has that divine power to give you everything you need to live in this world and the world for eternity yeah you might have some rough edges we all have got rough edges that God's got to kind of knock off some, some he's got to knock off some he's got to kind of, kind of smooth over but as we live our lives transformed by the power of Jesus we cannot stay where we were 50 years ago. We must allow him to transform us. Savior-wise, yes, salvation-wise, but we must move forward in the faith and become a little sweeter, a little nicer, a little more loving, a little more forgiving. Has he transformed your life? In the, in the days coming, and I don't know when it's going to be, nobody does, there's going to be another great transformation. Did you know it? There's going to be a great transformation where the Bible tells us that he is going to descend from heaven. And there's going to be a shout. 
And the voice of the archangel is going to proclaim and the, and the trumpet of God is going to blast. And the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. All those bones that have been dug and buried for years and years and thousands of years. If they've been born again, if they were a Christian, you know what's going to happen? They're going to come busting out of that grave. And they're not going to be bones anymore because the Bible says they're going to meet them in the air. Meet Jesus in the air where he's going to give us a new glorified body. That's transformation. That's going from old bones that maybe were just dust to a heavenly body that will be with Jesus forever and forever. That's great news for the Christian. A thousand years after that, the Bible says there's going to be another resurrection for the unbelievers. And they too, those dead bones, those ashes, wherever they're scattered, will come together and become a body again. And for that unbeliever, they're going to stand before the great white throne judgment. And Jesus is going to tell them, sorry, bud, I never knew you. Depart. Go to the lake of fire in brimstone. That's a transformation too. Are you ready? Have you allowed Jesus to transform your life? Two things and I'm done. I've got to quit. Christian, Christian, if you have been transformed... You got to live it. You got to let him transform you every day. Every day he needs to be able to change. Don't stay where you're at. Don't stay at the age of 12 when you got saved. Don't stay there. That's sinful. If you've never been born again, God's never transformed you. Jesus has never come into your life. You need that transformation today. You need to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You need to be just like I was at the age of 12. Get out of that pew, come down the front, accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Because one day, even, even after you're dead, the Bible says there will be a transformation. And you'll be changed for an eternity in a place called hell. Nobody wants that. Rhonda, as we begin, has he transformed you? Are you allowing him to transform you? Man, if, 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 Christian, if he's not changing you today and tomorrow and the next day, you need to confess that, repent of that, and let him do that and seek his face. And if you've never been born again, you need to let him change that cold heart you got. Give him a warm heart, a soft heart, a heart for the things of God. As we bow our heads and close our eyes. This is the invitation time. I'm inviting you to do something about this message. I'm inviting you to see what the Lord has spoken to you in this message. I'm allowing you to to receive conviction from the Holy Spirit. And if that's the case, you need to respond to this message. If God's calling you to join this church, whatever God's called you to do, do business with the Lord today.